Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Going well. Been a big news week this week. Not a lot of news, but like, yeah, quantity's been down, but quality's been way up. The news that has come out has been big. It kind of started off Sunday. I kind of got a text on Sunday morning that said, Gary Hollingsworth to South Carolina. And then it blew up throughout the day, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. We're recording this on Thursday. Less than 10 minutes ago, Gary Hollingsworth was elected the new state executive director of South Carolina. We're going to get to that, but because that's not even the biggest news of the week. Because we've got news from IMB. News from IMB uh, that they have announced the final phase of their organizational reset. We heard earlier when the Voluntary Retirement Incentive information was put out. We also heard that there would be some organizational changes, and that was officially announced by them today. Yes, and uh, news kind of leaked out over the week of uh, the total number. They're still not giving a full number on the VRI, but the the sad news this week was that the Richmond Communications Center uh, has been eliminated in the restructuring at IMB, uh, which means uh, a few of our colleagues uh, have uh, now lost their jobs and are looking for other uh, positions. Some have been transferred to other positions. and uh, But these are not missionaries. These are the uh, the, the communication staff at IMB. Uh, they re- released a press release today about that and also included the now, I guess, the starting of the hand-raising opportunity. They're calling the HRO because uh, we got to make acronyms for everything these days. Uh, but the HRO... <laughs> That's is, really funny that you're saying that from yes, LifeWay. Yes, working at LifeWay. Like... Yes, I know. We are the kings of acronyms, trust me. Um, yes. But so at the IMB, there's the HRO that followed the VRI, and uh, that goes on through February 22nd, I believe it says here in this. So uh, Dr. Platt has announced the hand-raising opportunity to the teams, and uh, this basically allows missionaries and staff to redeploy intentionally uh, and and move throughout the organization. You know, if, if this is not where I feel like God's calling me now, I'd rather, you know, feel more suited to something else or somewhere else, and it gives them a chance to, uh, to you know, volunteer for that. Right. Um, yeah, and, and so I think, I think one thing we're seeing is this is we're getting close to maybe the end of this. Yes particular story and phase um yeah they expect this to be done at the the end of february Mm -hmm. yeah right right and so i think it looks like this will get them in the range that they were sort of targeting uh but yeah it's these things are always really hard and i think i think no one no one denies that who is who is involved in it and so just kind of big 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 news that started back in the fall when we even knew that things like this were going to have to happen. And so now we're seeing what that actually looks like. Yes. And it looks like also the VRI, they said that uh, enough missionaries on the field took that, that no other missionaries will be uh, downsized or or brought home as a result. So that is good news. Uh, There's some silver lining in this cloud is that uh, we, we did meet that level that they need for financial accountability and stability in uh, the IMB. So that will not be affected, uh, the missionary levels as of right now. Yes. And one, one side note, this is not a major news story, but a side note, you guys uh, at Southeastern, I know did something for a lot of these 
that have opted to take the VRI? Yes, we uh, announced Wednesday that we're offering uh, two years of tuition and fees waived for advanced degrees. Uh, that's for doctoral degrees or 12 hours of a THM degree uh, for anyone who participated in that first phase of the VRI. So if they're coming back, kind of trying to see what's next, um, if f- furthering their education at that level is, is in it, then there's some, some benefit to them uh, to help them kind of move into that next phase. So it, it allows, the, and that, that's going to include the, the Doctor of Ministry degree, which is a modified residency degree, the Doctor of Education, EDD, which is also a modified residency degree, and then our PhD, um, you can either be, you know, obviously you can move to Wake Forest for any, anything, but um, the PhD also has some modified residency options as well. And then the THM, which is master's degree, but it's research-based, so it's considered in the advanced degree pool um, that one because it's a shorter one it's uh, 12 hours that is going to be uh, waived yeah and the modified so. residency i know has been very popular uh, allows people to stay where they are come in for a week at a time and and basically right. you know use casa whitfield uh for that i know <laughs> i have a lot of friends that have yes. have used that for their their modified residency is basically yes. that's code for let's <laughs> stay at amy's for a week Yes, we have been the residency for modified residency. The residency in. Yes, it was actually a very odd New Year this year. It was our first uh, New Year's Day that we didn't have someone showing up at our door. So we typically have been celebrating the New Year with someone arriving and getting settled in. Um, the, The addition of the Golden Retriever into our family had begun to make PhD camp a little bit more difficult but yes there was an official <laughs> hashtag for it hashtag phd camp yes which, yes. which so, basically amounted to clue at night and sugar yes. cereal in the morning sugar cereal in the morning clue board games at night uh adventures with the golden retriever and then we would typically find some sports event or something to watch and all participate and tweet to each other as we all sat in the same room so <laughs> uh a lot of fun camp activities all right but anyway <laughs> All right, moving on to real news. Yes. And away from uh, PhD camp at the Whitfield House. All right. Yes. South Carolina, I mentioned it earlier, hired Gary Hollingsworth as their new executive director, just voted him in uh, just minutes before we started recording this. And uh, congratulations to Gary Hollingsworth. We we had talked about him uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago, actually. And lo and behold, he's your new executive director in the Carolinas. Here he is. So we've been waiting for this for a while to see what For a while. Uh, what would happen in South Carolina. And I have to tell you, I was really excited to hear this. I think um, I've met him once and uh, at a, an event and really uh, we, we just thought he was great. We, Keith and I both just really enjoyed um, meeting him, being around him, hearing just some of the things he had to say. And I had a lot of respect so I think this is a really good move. Very excited. Agreed. And we are excited, too, to announce that I I have it scheduled. We're supposed to have Gary Hollingsworth on the podcast next week. So we'll have uh, his first podcast interview as the South Carolina State Executive Director right here on SBC this week, next week. Very good. It'll be interesting to see what the move is like from Little Rock over to Columbia. It'll be east. Uh, for him. That'll yes. be the move. It'll, it'll be east, but middle of the middle of the country over to the eastern seaboard yeah closer to the beach 
for one. Yeah, that's always nice. Much closer than Arkansas. Much closer. And the, and the mountains, you, you, you're losing the mountains in Arkansas, the, the Ozarks, but you're gaining the Appalachians. Gaining, yes, and gaining the, Appalachians, the Smokies. And all that. Yeah, so, yeah, Smokies, all that. And the low Very country, nice. shrimp boils. Absolutely. I, I'm excited. I don't even know what the food is in Arkansas. Lizette's going to kill me for saying that, but I don't even know. I, I know. Maybe we, we should have Lizette Beard on to talk about Arkansas. I don't know if Arkansas really yeah. has any specific foods to itself. I would I'm guess not sure. uh, catfish and Which trout. Which I love. And, and they also have that in South Carolina. Yes, they have a lot of that. So I guess just mountain food, Ozark type mountain food. I don't know. We're, yes. We're digressing. Anyway. We are. All, all right. right. So congratulations, Gary Hollingsworth. We got a link at spcthisweek.com. That'll tell you all about uh, Gary Hollingsworth. We got his whole bio and everything from the South Carolina Baptist Convention at the website. So uh, it's it's exciting to have him. He is one of the few people in the SBC life where anybody you talk to about him, it's always positive. I've I've never heard anybody speak negatively of Gary Hollingsworth. So I'm excited to have him as the state convention. Uh, executive director it'll be interesting to see what he does if he follows in the footsteps of the recent hires uh, that we've had in the state conventions same here it's going to be fun all right so that's some comings and we got some goings as well uh wmu executive director wanda lee announced her retirement last weekend at the january board meeting of the wmu which is basically their big trustee meeting that they have in January. They have a big trustee meeting in January and June every year. And Monday morning, Wandley announced her retirement as the seventh executive director of the Women's Missionary Union. Yeah, so talk us through this a little bit, Jonathan. And, Why and me? Rem- <laughs> well, Jonathan, you have more experience with the WMU that than I do. Former employee of the WMU, worked for Ms. Yes. Lee. Yes. Uh, talk us through this and explain maybe the difference between the WMU and the SBC entities as we know them, because there is a little bit of a difference. All right. So first off, WMU is an auxiliary to the Southern Baptist Convention. Their trustees are not your trustees in a traditional sense. The trustees of the WMU are the presidents of each individual state convention WMU. So 42 trustees, basically one from each state. So unlike the SBC where they're elected for four or five year terms, and can serve two terms. You know, I think uh, we've got trustees that can serve up to eight, eight years in a row. These rotate off much quicker. Uh, these are volunteers that are big in their states that make up the national WMU board. So they will be the ones that will elect the exec- the new executive director of the WMU. 16 years ago, Wanda Lee took over in 2000. She succeeded Delana O'Brien, uh, who was before her, and Wanda has been there and seeing the WMU uh, go through some difficult years uh, financially, I know. So I was at WMU in 2008, 9, and 10, whenever the, uh, the, the economy was really struggling. Uh, Wanda made an executive decision not to lay off anyone at that time and uh, kept us all there. Some people did leave because uh, they needed different jobs or they moved on, but there was a hiring freeze. But she, she managed through that well and got us through that without having to ma- have mass layoffs like other companies did at that time when the economy went down. So... She's she's seen the highs and lows of WMU while she's been there, and she will be sorely missed, I know, uh, by many in the Southern Baptist Convention. So it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the WMU. Uh, they got some big decisions to make. She didn't really put a specific date on her retirement. She uh, basically has charged the 
the presidents and the, the board of the WMU to field a search committee to find a replacement. So uh, we had a little information about that on the blog this week, and I'm going to pull that up real quick because I uh, mentioned a few names of possible replacements for Wanda Lee at uh, WMU. I know a few of these, unfamiliar with a couple, but I've talked to a few people. I'm still pretty connected in that world. I know a few people uh, that are actually serving on the board of the National WMU and, and work a lot with it. Uh, Christy Carr, who is the Baptist Nursing Fellowship Executive Director and the adult, WMU Adult Team Leader, she is the one internal candidate that I would expect to be uh, looked at possibly as a replacement. Kelly King, we've had her on the podcast before, the Women's Specialist in the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. Kelly is a very uh, astute women's ministry leader and missions leader in Oklahoma. Uh, Dr. Melody Maxwell, she's a professor at Howard Payne University, a former WMU employee and a good friend of mine, uh, also big in the Baptist World Alliance. Uh, I think she served on some, some boards with them. And Jean Roberson, who used to work at WMU, now the director of field education for the Department of Social Work at Samford University, uh, another strong candidate locally to Birmingham. And then Beth Ann Williams, who's the executive director of the Georgia Baptist WMU. Uh, Beth Ann's done a lot, both with the national WMU and in Georgia. And then Sandy Wisdom Martin, probably one of the top names uh, if you had to ask anybody uh, that deals with WMU as a possible replacement. Sandy's the executive director of the Texas WMU, uh, affiliated with the BGCT, used to be at the Illinois Baptist, uh, moved down to Texas a few years ago and took over down there. Sandy is uh, one of those big names in the WMU world. Uh, I would expect her to get uh, considered quite highly as well. So there's a few possible replacements. I'm not really handicapping this. There could be some other candidates that I haven't even considered or don't even know yet that they may be looking at, but I think those right there will at some point get considered by the committee and who knows who else. So we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that and see what happens from here. Well, it will be very interesting. And as, as you mentioned, they're an auxiliary and not um, an entity. So a lot of times sort of our, our interest in that, it can be different. We're not uh, approving any trustees, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, also not cooperative program funded, just to remind them. Right. Right. So we're not, quite as uh, directly connected as messengers, um, but many, many messengers, uh, many Southern Baptist church members have, uh, have benefited from the missions education that the WMU has provided through the years. And so, you know, it's de- definitely at the local level, people really know it and uh, remember it. And, and there's been some, some things through the years that they've done to keep local churches connected with and knowing about what's happening on the field. So uh, that's very much appreciated. All right. Now our final story this week, Amy, tell us about this. we got some more new LifeWay research. I tell you, I'm always interested in, uh, in the new research that comes out. So they released uh, a study on why pastors leave the pastorate and they gave uh, the top five answers um, they, they surveyed 734 former senior pastors who left the pastorate before retirement age in four Protestant denominations. Uh, so they, they reach out and they ask, why did you leave the pastorate? And the top five were, uh, number one was a change in calling. Number two was um, conflict in a church. Number three was burnout. Number four was personal finances. Number five was family issues. So very interesting. But the, the really interesting 
thing, there was a quote in the Baptist Press article from Ed Stetzer saying that almost half of the people who left the pastorate said their church wasn't doing anything to really help them. Um, they said uh, things that, that we uh, know or that experts have said should be in place are having clear documents, offering sabbaticals, which that's becoming more and more common yeah. in churches, um, having people help with major counseling cases. Those are the things that can lead to burnout. Um, and, you know, having been uh, in, in situations, my husband pastored by himself, you know, really with no staff for some years, had for a couple of years, had an associate pastor, but was on his own. And we had a very supportive church. They were, were really, really wonderful to us. Uh, if, if that had not been in place, I think, I'm not sure how we would have handled it because it, it, ministry can get really tough. Yeah. And one of the things I, I interesting to, that he noted, you mentioned was the clear documents having those systems, those policies in place that kind of uh, decrease conflict and allow for the streamlined processing of issues that may arise in a church, uh, that a lot of times that takes a lot of weight off a pastor just to know he's backed up by a policy and right. and things like that. So that's something that, that, that churches you know can look into. And we, we've talked a lot about the Alliance Defending Freedom and policies they offer and allowing churches to to help in that legal world, but churches also need those policies just from a personnel area uh, to right. allow pastors uh, clear uh, communication ability to the rest of the church. One of the things that I was uh, interested to find in here is that 48% of former pastors said the search team did not accurately describe the church. So half of the churches are not accurately described by the pastor search committee. Amy, as a former pastor's wife, did you ever get into a church and go, whoa, Keith, this is not what we thought we were getting into? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I think there's always sort of uh, surprises maybe or just sort of dynamics that you're not really aware of. Yeah. I don't know that we experienced that um, so much. I think there were a couple of stories or pieces of information that might have been more helpful in preparing. Yeah. I, I don't think it would have changed. That. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't change the decision. Um, so I think that that can happen at times. But uh, but I think I think that's really important, and I have heard of that happening a lot. Yeah. Uh, we've heard that from friends of ours, and that's really tough because people are wanting to get. It, it comes out of a good place. Maybe they're wanting to get a good pastor. They're wanting to to put the, their best foot forward. But the expectations that they have on this person and the amount of impact they're expecting in their community um, and in the in the life of the church, they have to be totally transparent. Mm -hmm. I mean, honesty about here's here's what we're dealing with. Um, you know, the calling to ministry, nobody assumes that it's going to just be easy. And so you have to to recognize that to say, hey, they know this is not going to be easy. So we need to to really be clear. Yeah. And. Some some are, but some some are not always. So. Yeah, Beth and the three churches that she's been at on staff, uh, the last three, only the first one, uh, not the one we're at now, not the one we're at before, but that was the only one where we felt like we got there and was a little bit, you know, not what right. we were we were expecting or what we were told. So I, I know it's happened to us, but it's also one of those things that it happens to you one time, you, you kind of learn from it and you ask the right questions and ask more right. questions the next time. Uh, just, you know, you maybe ask too many questions the next time just to try to avoid that in the future. 
Yeah, we, we got some good advice from a seasoned uh, minister who, who shared with us, here are some questions you need to ask. And we actually always remembered that when we were talking to search committees. Uh, but even after our experience, I think we we realized some questions even now that that we would yeah. ask in the future or yeah. that Keith will advise uh, people in the same position. All right, so that'll pretty much do it for the news this week. Like we said, not a lot of news, but a lot of big news and uh, there's bound to be more coming next week. I know there's a couple of things, too, but don't forget next week we'll have Gary Hollingsworth, scheduled to have Gary Hollingsworth on the podcast to talk to us about his new role in South Carolina, and that's going to bring us to this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, uh, we're going to go to 1954, and I guess it's technically last week. It would be technically, I think, last um, Friday, but it was reported in this week, so okay. we're going to let it count. Well, last that, week, I mean, you just reported on something that was kind of random anyway, so. Yeah. So in 1954, uh, it was reported on January 15th that the week before, um, a new convention had organized that um, over 400 messengers representing 40 Baptist churches and 11 Baptist missions from the state of Ohio hmm. met in Hamilton and they organized the State Convention of Baptists in Ohio. So, so happy birthday, Ohio Baptists. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I wish if, if, if a couple of years ago it would have been, what, their 60th or 50th? 60th, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 60th. So um, I guess 62 years they've been uh, in place. They adopted a constitution and a budget of $72,520. And the purpose of their organization was witnessing for Christ, evangelizing uh, the lost souls and enlisting the unenlisted in service for Christ. That was their first one. Second one was to follow Christ. Third was to look to God as the source of our strength and spiritual leadership. So um, it said uh, that headquarters for the organization were established in a building in Dayton, and it was where the Baptist Sunday School Board had established a bookstore the year before. So Baptist Sunday School Board had come in in Dayton, Ohio, and we were the already Ohio there. Baptists, yes, you were already there. So the Ohio Baptists decided to uh, come together, and they went and uh, got the same spot. So, Well, how about that? There you go. Right, Happy well, birthday, I, Ohio. I looked up while you were talking about it, 62, the traditional wedding anniversary. I know it's not their wedding anniversary, but I looked up 62nd. There isn't one. So, Oh, that's kind of sad. Okay. After 15, everything just kind of goes on five. Sure so okay. There's nothing. Well, and then after 60, I guess they don't figure you're going to be married for 65, I, so there's nothing I, after I that. Know. So sorry. Uh, we, we missed you by a couple of years, Ohio. You could have had a yes. diamond a couple of years ago. Well, uh, we appreciate our state conventions, and happy birthday to Ohio. Uh, we are thinking about you. You started this week or last week in SBC history. All right, that's going to move us on to Resources of the Week. My Resource of the Week is this book right here, Amy. You can see it in your screen there. You people at home cannot, but it's All Authority by Joey Shaw. Joey is the International Field Office Director for the Austin Stone Community Church and a regular contributor to The Verge Network. Joey, uh, based out of Austin, has written this book called All Authority on how the authority of Jesus upholds the Great Commission. Uh, fantastic book, a uh, nice little breakdown of the Great Commission. He kind of goes through each phrase of the Great Commission and how Jesus' authority kind of goes along with that and uh, would, would make a really good sermon series. I'm looking at it going, you know, this is really good. Break down the 10 weeks of uh, the Great Commission and, uh, and talk about the Great Commission in your church. So definitely check that out, All Authority 
by Joey Shaw from B&H. Amy, what do you have for us? All right, so I'm going to bring up one that is a book by Sally Lloyd-Jones that actually is not a new book, but it kind of is. It's called The Story of God's Love for You. Oh, I was thought and you were going to go with the Jesus Storybook Bible. I'm like, Amy, we, we already know about that one. Well, this is interesting. So basically, The Story of God's Love for You is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay. But it has basically taken the text and it has repurposed it in a way that is really more geared toward adults. Oh. So all of the illustrations, things like that, are are out, which we love. I mean, we read it anyway, even with the illustrations. But I think the idea was sometimes taking a children's book to a person, they're not going to be as willing to receive it because they think, well, why are you giving me a children's Bible? So they took the text, and they've made it in a really great format, hard copy, uh, for people to share with their friends as they're sharing the gospel. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah, it's been interesting because I actually got to hear her speak very early on, not long after the Jesus Storybook Bible came out, when I was, uh, she was at the very second Hutchmoot that I like to come to in Nashville in the fall. And I asked her a question. She had a QA and a at the end, and I asked her, I said, I know that you, uh, had this thing that you were trying to communicate to children. Did you have any idea that adults would receive it as well as they had? Because all these parents just love the story in it, the way it's framed. And she said, no, if I had had any idea, I don't know that I would have done it because it would have been too intimidating. So it's pretty amazing. This thing's come out and so many people um, of all ages. So it's a new, uh, a new thing, the story of God's love for you definitely a great resource. We typically have copies of the Jesus Story Bible on hand to give to people. Uh, this is a new way. All right. Well, I, while you were doing that, I just ordered me a copy. Fantastic. So I am buying that. That is fantastic. I'm a huge fan of the Jesus Storybook Bible and always tell people it's one of the best things that any, not even just kids, but any new Christian or seasoned Christian, uh, just yeah. the way she tells the stories in there. It's fantastic. So I want to I want to get the copy of this and check it out because I think this would be a great thing, you know, like you said, to give adults instead of, you know, hey, go buy this children's Bible. Yes, so that's and fantastic. it's beautiful. It's that's really fantastic. beautiful copy. All there right, you so go. I just dropped into my Amazon account. So I'm going to get that here in just a second when we get done recording. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of SBC This Week. Amy, you got anything else for us before we go? That's it. Well, 2016 got off to a big start this week. We had a slow week last week, but not so much this week and uh, just getting started. So I know I've got trustee meeting in a couple of weeks. You've got uh, the Go Conference coming up. We've got uh, school is back in session at all the seminaries and Baptist colleges. So uh, everything's kind of cranked up and we'll see what else 2016 has for us. Join us next week. Supposed to have Gary Hollingsworth on next week. Hope to to get that all nailed down today and the next day and, uh, Looking forward to talking to him. We've also got interviews coming up with uh, Tommy Green. I'm interviewing him tomorrow, so we should have that in an upcoming episode. And we've got some others that I've already done, Nathan Finn, uh, a couple others as well. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll have some great interviews for you uh, the next few months leading up to the convention. So uh, join us next week on SBC This Week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.